listening to the CyberSide Chat podcast series where we examine issues related to our hybrid world. This podcast is the audio from a video over on the Lars Institute YouTube channel. In this video, we're going to examine really risk and how companies should be thinking through risk at a high level as they look at governance and compliance issues. And we're going to start with the four boxes uh, that we've seen before, which are really the four principles that companies use to operate, which is business strategy and financial performance on the value side, as well as operational resiliency and legal compliance on the risk side. And uh, the point here is that while something could be compliant, it may not be necessarily a resilient practice. Just as we have two drivers for value, we have two risk controls. And while they may complement each other and doing something for resilience might improve legal compliance or vice versa, they are distinct concepts as we'll see. And as companies think through what they're doing, they need to realize that uh, both from an operation standpoint, as well as from a governance standpoint, a concept we've been talking about indirectly without definition has been what risk is, as well as some related definitions that are helpful to understand as we, we start to drive and drill into risk. Risk is, according to ISO, the effect of uncertainty on objectives. Risk appetite is the amount and type of risk that an organization is willing to pursue or retain. Risk treatment is a process to modify risk, which includes controls and programs the company creates to treat that risk. Risk tolerance is the company's readiness to bear the risk after risk treatment in order to achieve its objectives. And finally, an important concept is risk acceptance. It's an informed decision to take a particular risk, and this can occur with or without risk treatment. You may have risks that you don't need to treat that you accept, and you may have some risks that do need to be treated and then accepted. If we move away from ISO definitions, we look at residual risk, which is the amount of risk a company has taken uh, after basically the company has, has accepted the risk, whether it's been treated or not. One concept that is sort of implicit within the ISO definitions, but not defined by them is uninformed risk risk acceptance, which is when a company takes on risk it doesn't fully understand. And that can occur because it doesn't understand the level of risk or frankly, the type of risk. And it's important to note that both of those things need to be understood for a company to make an informed decision about a particular risk. Another term that's helpful to define as we start to look at risk is what do we actually mean by operational resilience? And if we use a definition from FEMA, which is helpful, it's the ability to prepare for and adapt to changing conditions and withstand and recover rapidly from them. It can include uh, the ability from deliberate attacks, accidents, or naturally occurring threats or incidents. And inherent within this is really what we're saying is resilience is the ability to prepare for and adapt to risks because as we've, as we've noted, risk is really the uh, just byproduct of uncertainty. Uh, that we see. So it's a core corporate concept. It's obviously also a core public sector concept. But the point is that this definition has nothing to do with legal compliance. And that's why these are really somewhat related, but independent risks that companies have to think through. And frankly, the public sector has to think through as well. And so when we lay out those four really pillars or principles uh, just as strategy is distinct from financial performance, though they are related in certain ways, operational resilience and legal compliance are 
related in certain ways, but distinct concepts that need to be factored in when companies examine risk. Risk related to legal compliance in some ways is more straightforward and and more understandable, uh, certainly to compliance professionals and lawyers, but uh, it it does begin to have lines blur with operational resilience as well. With legal risk, you can obviously have monetary consequences, which people are familiar with, but there are times where certain government agencies or even as part of a court process, there are prohibitions on conduct. And if that conduct uh, that is prohibited is either a business process that's important to the company or related to a business process that's important to the company, it can begin to have resilience impact as well. And, And there's a variety of different examples we see of that, including with the Federal Trade Commission beginning to limit the use of data or data processes, algorithms in some cases, that they believe were uh, created through the improper gathering um, or processing of data. We're starting to see that. We're seeing it in other cases as well. And so it's important to note that while certain risks may have a legal root cause, they may have both a legal impact as well as a resiliency impact on the company if it impacts operations. And so Again, as we're we're trying to govern risk, um, we need to really think through the the quantity and quality of risk, if you will, as uh, as decisions are made. And here we're really laying out the three things that can be done with risk: it can be treated, it can be accepted, or it can be shifted. And obviously, risk after it's treated is accepted, but it may not always be. You may not always have risk that needs to be treated. And so these are really sort of three options you see. Uh, a good example of shifting risk, shifting risk is really through contract, including through insurance. And I think one thing that's important to note, particularly uh, in the in the cyber context is, while you might be able to shift some of the legal compliance risk, i.e. monetary penalties or costs, in many cases, it's very hard to shift resiliency risk. And so even if you have a, a very high limit uh, cyber insurance policy, your residual risk may then really just focus on resiliency risk. And then you have to decide, is the right balance having the economic consequence shifted to a third party and and what decisions they get to make versus what you as the company's leadership get to make. But the point is, particularly as I said, for cyber, as well as for for data or privacy, the the risk is not simply a legal risk that even if you get insurance and shift part of the risk, you're not shifting all of the risk. And it's important to note as programs are really put in place to try to help govern risk that um, all of the risks have to be governed uh, for the company to really be in the best position it can be in. So turning to how do we really move forward and address these issues, the core of this is to understand the category of risk as well as the risk appetite and risk tolerance of the company. That first means we need to ask if the particular practice is compliant and resilient, again, because we do have two different risk controls that we're trying to solve for. And so we'll, on the next slide, try to look at risk appetite and risk tolerance a little bit. But the first step is to understand the nature of the risk and that in many cases, there are two layers of risk or two different sources of risk, not just legal compliance. And here we see a a graphic that tries to illustrate the difference between risk appetite and risk tolerance, as well as different risk appetites and tolerances. Risk appetite really is the risk that a company is comfortable with without 
really probably thinking about it very much. It fits within defined criteria, or it's a it's, it's a known risk uh, kind of profile that the companies will take. That's different than what it will tolerate to gain additional value, right? And so that's really the point here is that uh, both the green and the yellow are within um, within bounds for a company. Um, again, sort of with normal operating procedures or with some other lay view and risk acceptance, there's a certain level of risk above the risk appetite that a company will tolerate. One thing that's important to note is having an over-controlled or under-controlled environment, both are risk categories as well, because an over-controlled environment will likely limit the value creation uh, and limit financial performance and business strategy. And so uh, it's not to say that you always want it uh, looking like the top graph um, or or even further shifted to the left um, or shifted to the right. It means that you really want to, through the risks of taking a, a, an action or not taking an action, because risk can be created both by action and inaction. And so thinking through risk appetite, risk tolerance, what is what creates risk by being over-controlled, what creates excessive risk by being under-controlled. These are all things that need to be through. And as we, again, focus on data risk or and data value, as we'll talk about in, in future podcasts and videos, it's not always that easy or clear. Uh, and it, it as we start to drill into this, it particularly if one starts to look at whether something is legal uh, versus whether something is operationally resilient when data is used, depending on your risk appetite and risk tolerance, you can come to vastly different conclusions. And so um, that's the challenge because look, technology moves very quickly. Data collection practices change over time. And so um, you know the point is, particularly when you're dealing with risk around data, you do have to understand that both legal compliance and resilience uh, of the practice are important. And then you have to really have a, a, a lot of thought put around what is our risk appetite and risk tolerance give resiliency issues as well as the legal compliance issues. So there's not a one size fits all approach here for anything, uh, certainly for the oversight of this, as well as the actual operations of this. But the important point is that companies start to think through resiliency, legal compliance, risk appetite, and risk tolerance, and not just make the decisions uh, in an ad hoc way, but also make them in a more governed way if possible, uh, which inherently involves oversight and communication around what the nature of the risk is and the level of that risk and whether it fits within the risk appetite, risk tolerance of the company. So what are the key takeaways here? Well, for the board, which is the oversight layer, it's to try and understand the, the quantity and quality of the risk resilience compliance are both, as well as the risk appetite and risk tolerance of the company that's been set by management and, and senior leadership. For the senior leadership team, uh, there's a variety of different things that they would need to do, but setting and communicating the risk appetite and risk tolerance of the company, and importantly, helping other members of management communicate the quantity and quality of risk. For management, it's understanding the risk appetite and risk tolerance of the company and trying to align the risks and the discussion of the risks to compliance and risk, even if we're using other terms like brand and trust, uh, particularly around data or privacy risk. And this is where I think things at times can get lost in translation. Um, 
companies, some companies do have brand risk or trust risk uh, around data and some don't. Uh, that's not to say that data is, isn't a risk for those companies. But, uh, you know, again, to use an example I've used in the past, for it, for a power utility, it may not create massive operational resiliency risk if they lose personal data regarding their customers, uh, because I'm probably unlikely to want to turn off my over something like that. Now, that's different for companies that have different products or services. But the point is that brand and trust, while they're important concepts, really do fit within both the value drivers and the risk controls that we've laid out before those four points, right? And so on the risk side, a lot of times brand and trust really do really do fit within resiliency, uh, operational resiliency risk, because what will happen is people will stop using uh, your goods, or, buying your goods or services if they don't, if your brand has become tainted or they don't trust you. But again, that's not true in every case. And it's important to say that ultimately the impact is really a resiliency impact there's obviously legal compliance impacts as well in play, but that's the important point here is we can use terms like brand or trust, but tying them to really the four principles that we've laid out before is important so that um, the board who have as much deep knowledge of privacy compliance um, has a better chance of understanding the nature of the risk that's being taken as well as the level of the risk. And so we're not all going to change our vocabulary overnight, but it is, I think, important for the subject matter experts to begin to try to translate the and privacy and cyber world into terms that are core business terms for um, the board and even for the SLT who don't live, breathe cyber or privacy every day. And that's part of the the point of these videos really is to lay the foundation for future discussions we'll have on the podcast and on the podcast and in this video series, but it is to start trying to break down some of these communication barriers that, that we have uh, because we have a lot of very highly qualified privacy professionals who are passionate about their job, but um, that sometimes may not be fully translated all the way up the chain. The chain, even if the senior leadership team does understand it, the board may not fully understand it. And it's in everyone's interest to be sort of speaking, using the same terms, even if we're translating privacy terms into much more sort of business focused terms, which I think is not a bad thing. I think it actually is a good thing so that people begin to really tie these concepts out and understand, frankly, the importance of privacy, even though um, privacy may not be, and I don't believe it is, a risk inherent to every company or every board to oversee, but operational resilience and legal compliance inherently are crosswalking all of our, you know, subject matter expert privacy terms into those terms so that they're better understood. Thanks for listening to this and watching this video. And there'll be more to come on the value side as well as the risk side as we start talking to experts in the field on, on both the business side as well as the, the compliance and resiliency side to help sort through these issues. Please join us for future CyberSide chats as we continue to examine issues related to the hybrid world. Mm -hmm.